Weirdness is good. Weirdness is everything. And if people don't get your weirdness, then they're not your people. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host, Rai, and each week I bring you a guest from the creative industry and we discuss all things life and culture all while sipping and sipping some hot chai. Now, if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you stream your podcast from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast and share it on your stories on social and spread the word. It organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and overall just shares the love. And without further ado, let's warm up our cuppers and dive into today's episode with actor and writer Olivia DeLuma. Okay, in five seconds, list three things you do before going to sleep. Go. Brush my teeth, do my five-step face routine, and... Yeah! Five-step face routine, though. That's, you know, that's yeah, six things. Okay, what's your five-step skincare routine? Let's talk about that quickly. I've got my, I've got my cleanser, I've got my toner, I've got my two serums, and I've got my moisturizer, of course. But, it, like, I vary it, you know, I feel like you have to vary it, but that's the core. Um, what sort of cleanser do you use and what sort of toners do you use and what sort of serums do you use? Well, I just actually, controversial, I'm changing my cleanser. Um, Why is that controversial? Because <laughs> I'm so dedicated, you know. Ah. Um, I, it's Aveda. Um, it's a new gel cleanser that I've heard good things about. Got my, my Lizelle toner. I've got my, it's like a vegan retinol. Retinol can be quite um, harsh. On. So yeah, yeah, I use a vegan one. The other one, I don't remember, but it's from Etsy. <laughs> and the, I know I'm meant to use it. And then the, I use like an SPF moisturizer during the day because we've got to look after the skin. Well and- done for that SPF. Lots of people skip that SPF. I learned that about watching on YouTube. There's this woman named Cassandra Baxen, Bankson, and she's a esthetician who makes videos. And she was always like, make sure you put SPF, even if it's cold. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, I'm a new convert to this. And I feel like what have I been doing all these years? But you know, I'm doing it now. That's what counts. Do all of the things have to be vegan because you're vegan? They do. I, I do live like a vegan lifestyle as okay. weird as that sounds. Um, I that do. Looks- yeah. That's not weird. All right, going back to the games then. All right, these are no longer practice rounds. These are good questions. And I'm going to try and throw you off sometimes. And sometimes I'm going to try and loop them back. Okay, in an interview for the Metro, when asked, how do you feel about the latest one to destroy poor Ethan? Albeit not through your character's fault, the guy should give up, bless him. You respond, Phoenicia isn't the last one. She is the one to Ethan. Ethan should never give up. Even if you don't try, how will you ever know? Somehow he always manages to find a beautiful glimmer of hope. And I hope he manages to find that after Phoenicia's passing. With that in mind, three songs that you would sing in the shower. Go. Um, d- uh, Dandy Warhol's Bohemian Like Me. No! I'm so bad with names. That took me so long. I knew what song it was. Did you say uh, Andy Warhol or did you the say... D- the Dandy Warhol's. Oh. You know, oh. Bohemian Like You, the one, um, you got a nice car. Uh, yeah, that was my Phoenicia song. Um, what are just general songs you would sing in the shower? Summer, summertime. Summertime. See, this is what I'm like with names. <laughs> Free Awakening, Mama Who Bore Me. Okay. Anything I can belt out. Okay, got it. Yeah. Fabulous. All right, your next question. In the podcast Simply Vegan, you mention how you began uh, you began your journey into acting in the nativity play. Um, you were never cast as Mary. Ugh, and you were unnamed Angel at the age of five. And then your role in Greece was a dancer in Greece. So you go on to talk about that and then how you went into acting school for your agencies. Middle, I always forget to bloody up pronounce that agency wrong. <laughs> it used to be called MN Talent when I used to mm. go to classes back in the day. But mm. anyway. Oh, you went? Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a bit. So yeah. with that in mind, you're running for Elf of the Century. What three policies would you run on? Go. Candy canes for all, uh, unlimited presence, and no sitting on Santa's lap. Yes! Oh my God, I did something in five seconds. It's never happened. (laughs) (laughs) No sitting on Santa's lap, that is true. Unless you're I was going to say sitting on Santa's lap, and then it didn't feel right. So, you know. I feel like, have you watched Is It Bad Moms? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My favorite scene is when they like start just day drinking and then they go and sit on Santa's lap and start grinding on him. It's my favorite scene. <laughs> I don't remember it, but it sounds like I'll have to revisit that. 
Oh my God, do it. Like Christmas for me is the best feeling. So like throughout the year, if I'm ever feeling depressed, I play Christmas music. Oh, that is controversial. I hate that people think it's controversial. For me, it brings me joy. So I will play Christmas music. I was literally playing Silent Night and Mariah Carey, Jennifer Hudson and Ariana Grande's uh, Always It. No, interesting. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm quite bad at when something's special. I almost like withhold it from myself. So it feels more special when it happens, if that makes sense. Got it. No, I'm just like, if it makes you happy, it makes you happy. Yeah, that's that's the healthy way to think of it. That is true. All right, your last questions. Let's bang through this. I did not know that you studied sociology, by the way, and you were a learning support assistant at a school. You also did market research. So with that in mind, Shakira, Shakira walks into Tesco's, okay, and she's buying things. She walks to the self-checkout. Her self-checkout is going crazy and it's not working. What are three things? You're Shakira, you embody Shakira, you're Shakira's voice. What would she say? What three things she would say to the self-checkout or to the cashier that her self-checkout is not working? Go. She'd go, oh, the self-checkout's not working. Um, she'd go, these self-checkouts do lie. Okay, that's more than five <laughs> seconds, but I just want to hear it. Okay. And then the third thing. <laughs> What else have we got? Ask Shakira. You want to hear it? I want to hear Shakira. Okay, I'll do I'll do half. This happens whenever, whenever I go to Tesco. I wonder if she's ever pissed about it that like whenever people imitate her, it's always... I mean, it is what it is, you know? That is true. <laughs> that is true. And as this is your last question, we were talking about Jelly Babies on Casualty and the fact that you shot it in wheels, often in the middle of nowhere in males. Males? Wells. With pails, you know. With pails, with pails. So with that in mind, list three Welsh delicacies. Go. Oh, they're like biscuit muffin things. Um, maybe lamb. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Did you not have Welsh delicacies when you were there? No, I had the when I was leaving. I was told I need to go get these. I don't know what they are. They're like cross between biscuits and like scones. They're like Welsh scones, basically. Oh, okay. They're real good. You ha- They were vegan? Because you were vegan. At they- cash- I was. They had a place that sold like all different forms of them. And I got them, yeah, when I was leaving. Walked across the bay, eating them. Beautiful. Oh. Where Beautiful. else in Wales did you go shoot? Um, well, the studio's are in Cardiff Bay. And so I oh. lived across the street. So literally I could see work from home and see home from work. Um, But we would shoot in just literally, like I said, everywhere. We went around everywhere. Like um, Barry, we shot in. Oh, like, nice. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, like trailers and all in Barry Beach. Cute. But yeah, it was it's bloody beautiful country. It is. Um, We're going to get on to casualty and we're going to get on to Wales. Just everything. Um, You can breathe now. That is the end of Fire Round. Oh, and- well, you can breathe now. <laughs> you don't have to go through that pain. Bloody hell. <laughs> I always get into like a little, uh, like I need to spit out the words. Um, Before we get into deep conversations, I was looking at your pictures and I love talking about hair. <gasps> it's yes. one of my favorite topics. And I feel like as an actor, I am thriving for a role where I can literally put on wigs, change my hair, change my look and just do different shit. So if there's producers out there listening to this, please thank you so much. Oh, and same, same. Yeah, for all of us. But before (laughs) we do anything, I want to know hair, short, long, straight, curly, brown, blonde. What is the vibe? What was your like vibe where you were like, yeah, this is the shit. And two, what haven't you tried that you would like to try? Well, yeah, I mean, that list, I've done it all, which is weird. I mean, I'm very much enjoying the natural curls these days, but obviously because mm-hmm. I change my hair length a lot, the curls kind of change. I did the blonde thing for the lols um, with my brother. Oh, I thought you did it for a roll. <laughs> no, no. But you know what? I went on to another, I went on to a job and they were like, are you still blonde? And I was like, I changed it back because... That's what I, because you saw me when I had dark hair and they're like, oh, and obviously I'm not bleaching on top of bleach. So no, no, I didn't that. But honestly, I would, I would do it again for a role. But like, I had really long hair my whole life until I was like 16, 17. And I was like, I need to lob it off. My mum cried. Um, (laughs) Literally went out front of the salon and had a cry. Called my brother when he was at uni. And since then, I haven't had hair longer than my shoulders because people find it surprising that, I feel more feminine, I guess. I don't really use those words much, masculine, feminine, but like, I feel like I feel more feminine with short hair, which yeah, people, some people don't get, but I'm fit like, 
it makes me feel proper confident having my short hair and like my big earrings and my <laughs> accessories, you know? Well, it, I feel like it helps when you have that sort of face that's adaptable because there are certain faces which are either like too chiseled or too like oval shaped. When you do different hairstyles, they just don't match up. So you got a good, you got a good face, pal. You know, I think it is. I think it's that I have a tiny head. I honestly no. think that's you don't what have it is. A, okay. I do have a tiny... No, no. When I was You don't have a big uni, head, but you don't have like a tiny head. No, when I was graduating uni, I you had to like measure for your cap size. You know? Oh, I had to get extra... Or like I wore a do-rag so that it was plump because it kept falling. Well, see, so I had been like, oh, Olivia, yeah, I'd measured it. And they looked and they put it on my head and then they walked off. They were like, no. Walked to the other side of the room to this like special box. And they were like, they're all too big. So <laughs> since then, I was like, oh, I have a tiny head. So I've just been thinking that's why short hair works because I got pea head. <laughs> but <laughs> you not hate the fact that we have to pay what, like 40, 50 pounds for that bloody gown to wear it for like 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And and not look the hottest. No, in oh it. my God. You know, it is... it's, not, it's not like it's super flattering. Now I want to quickly talk skincare, which is has your skincare changed since you've gotten into industry? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, like massively. <laughs> when I um when I booked casualty, because before I didn't really have a skincare routine, like very much thank my parents for the fact, oh my gosh, I'm touch wood, but <laughs> I've always had good skin touch wood. Then I realized I'm gonna be wearing makeup every day. And I personally don't wear foundation in my personal life I only wear at work and so I was like I'm gonna be wearing this every day my skin's gonna be like what the bloody hell is this so I went to boots and I like sat in the chair and I was like I need some stuff like I have sensitive skin but I need the whole shebang um and yeah I just got super like pimped out my toiletry area now it barely fits by my sink everything yeah but and then I, I take my makeup off with a face halo it's like a reusable it's like that big Oh, is it the squidgy thing, like a little sponge? No, but oh my gosh, I want to like eat them. But um, no, it's it's like a, it's like a reusable, like a bigger version of a cotton wool pad, and all you do is add water, and it brings um, a co-star at Casualty, Amanda Henderson, told me about it, and it brings off everything, and you just wash it with soap, and then you can use it the next day. It is oh. heaven. I recommend. But otherwise, yeah, now I just keep my skincare routine every night because I'm scared that if I don't then I'm suddenly gonna I don't know wake up with a different skin so I was um I was just telling you that I was listening to one of the podcasts before that I was listening to another podcast which one of your fellow casualty people did uh let me just pull up the name uh is it what was it called in the room that was it and shout out to her because she always took like all of the bloody questions that I wanted to ask so <laughs> Rude. So I had to like re rejig my interview. But I think what I was really fascinated was with two things, which I have been fascinated whenever I get writers and uh, directors on here, which is in a lot of your work, this is just a thing. And please pardon my ignorance if this is going to be a thing. But I felt like in listening to interviews, when he talked about casualty, it felt like a very contracted job where as opposed to being a freelancer, when you got out of the industry, or out of that sort of bubble, you're kind of like, what was the what was the quote that you said? You said feast and famine, feast and famine. And I was like, that's so fascinating because as, as creatives, we look for something that's going to give us that entity to be attached to, that institution to be attached to. But then does that become our defining work for a while until we get another institution and then another institution and then how do we deal with all of that so my first question was going to be like though your experience has been fruitful on that do you feel like sometimes when you're dealing with safeguarding yourself from the experience of being an artist do you ever go through like oh my god that that was like a peak how am I going to do that what is the next peak that I'm going to get to yeah it was a really weird situation to be in because casualty was my first tv job and they'd contact contracted me for a year mm. so that was already sitting weird for me because i i'm an actor because i love variety i can't i don't enjoy doing the same thing for a long time like even getting up at the same time every day bugs me like having to do that so it was incredible the most amazing opportunity but i sort of knew I wanted to get out while the party was still good. You know what, the, what whatever that saying is, like leave while the so party. So many still people good. say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that is really what I experienced there because I was like, I got so much story. I like in my one year there, 
I was involved in like main storyline the whole time, which is so rare. And I knew if I stay, it's not necessarily going to be like that. And then am I going to get, you know, like itchy feet and start to resent it, which I would hate because I've, I've left like with such love for it. But I did leave at the right time. But like you, you hearing it, the podcast with Adele, like she says it as well. We got a shock. You go from getting, you know, call sheets every night. People mm. like people knowing when, you know, letting everyone know when you're going for a wee. Like people yeah. need to know where you are all the time to like, you're just at home. And like no one's checking where you are. No one. It was really weird so yeah it felt like it did feel like feasts or famine and now I've kind of gone through so much since leaving that I feel like I finally found a good balance where I'm like I'm gonna regret saying this I kind of enjoy the feast or famine don't get me wrong give me jobs but like (laughs) it's it's nice when it's quiet because that's where the creativity comes that's where like writing and making my own stuff and like holidays you know like not being terrified to book a holiday in case you book a job like I finally found a good balance and I feel like the peaks and troughs of feast or famine is just normal for, yeah. for an actor, you know. Do you get holidays as a contracted <clears throat> person on a series regular? Yeah, you do. I think, but because we had a two week shutdown for Christmas, two week shutdown for summer, you then had like really it would be less than like two two weeks of working days. Got it. But you, some people would not be in for a month just because that was the way the story was written. Got you know, it. so it like it was still hard to plan holidays because you're still contracted so if they say we don't need you next month and then they call you and go yeah we do you you've got to be there you know and that's the same even when like you know you're not on a contracted job it's like but what if my agent calls and I book that job that I received for like three months ago that they've clearly not you know they've clearly already cast it but like you know that weird thing of when can I book a holiday when can't I would you ever do another series regular role I think it would really really depend on what and when and where I mean let's not forget if it's going to be like the most beautiful sunny location like yeah but it's also like length of time and like the whole you know being optioned for how many seasons it's it, it's so dependent I feel like if if I felt drawn to the character enough and mm-hmm. their whole arc and but in terms of doing because you know you can be a series regular on something that it shoots for three months yeah so that for sure like that's but I'm assuming you mean like something that could roll on all yeah. The year. yeah. I think not soon, is what I'd say. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Yeah. Like, I might be, you know, being like, can those people knock on my door? But for now, I'm enjoying kind of floating around and shorter term things, basically, is more my interest right now. Got it. Um, Financial survival. You get Yeah, financially, because I've talked to a couple of people who are either contracted as series regular or have commissions back to back. And I'm always intrigued to know when you have something that is genuinely contracted to then leaving that job, whether that is sometimes leaving from a corporate job, going into a creative job. What do you do? Like, what is firstly your escape plan when you're getting that money? Do you always put aside certain things in savings so you know that for a year, if I don't get any work, I have savings set aside? Or do you know that because doing this institutional job, I am going to be getting more work and that's how you live? Or is it just like, it actually isn't like that. I'm living from paycheck to paycheck. Um, I am like savings queen. I'll yeah. say that first of all. Like, it's all about savings for me. And I, I'm definitely not like a tight ass, but I'm thrifty. So, and it, I'm not gonna lie, actually having a vegan lifestyle helps because I don't buy anything new. And like, yeah. I don't really, I try not to shop, like as in for clothes and things like that. So I automatically don't, my outgoings aren't that much. I did have a period where I was like, I had savings. I knew I was all right. I'd booked a job a little while after casualty and it was keeping me going. But it was it was more than money about like being like out of the house and not thinking about acting. So I now have a job um, on Saturday mornings where I help teach kids how to like make films, which is really nice, really fulfilling and like gives me that pocket money basically. Because all I want is to not as much as I can to not dip into my savings is the... Mm. Obviously, like everyone's dream world. But yeah, I think, and you know, TV, depending on what job it is, can pay some good pee, basically. So then I'm like, okay, that's all going in my savings account. And then I know like, okay, I can breathe. Sometimes, you know, even like for the rest of the year. So yeah, it's sort of, I'm a saver. I depend on my savings. But so far, it's not been like a hand-to-mouth situation. I've been really lucky in that way. Nice. I feel like financial literacy and the mental mindset of this industry is something that that should be taught in schools because having a relationship with money is like something that I'm like so fascinated with now 
and having that sort of mindset that I've put the roots down or people are putting the roots down and it's going to work or just being like doing a side job does not mean you're giving up on your dreams is there to enhance things. So I'm really fascinated to know if you've learned anything in those two avenues throughout your career. I definitely think having your job on the side is super important for money, for self-esteem for like some kind of consistency even though I don't love routine like you know I'm going to the same place once a week I can I can think I can do that yeah and I definitely don't feel like that takes away from my career as an actor at all I feel like it goes hand in hand as well I've been really lucky to find something that links to film you know teaching kids like teaching the next it's so it sounds so cheesy but like the next generation of filmmakers potentially you know which is so cool and it does give a different fulfillment like working with kids to acting and yeah I feel like it can be super necessary. And also I know I can just let them know I can't come this week. I'm shooting abroad, you know? Yeah, I mean, teaching people how to do their tax returns should, (laughs) if, if it's not a thing yet, should be in across every school every year I get so stressed and I'm like uh, what what if I what if I accidentally did something and go to jail that is literally every year I say to my brother because he helps me he's like very mathsy brained and he's self-employed and I'm like if they find something wrong that's it yeah I'm like I'm gonna go to jail not you and he's always (laughs) like okay and I'm like it's not okay but you know like yeah I think I would be less stressed if I had been taught properly step by step what it all means you know mm. and how to do it and I do think that should be definitely a part of like GCSE level you know when you're still yeah. 15 16 yeah not Pythagoras people we no. need we need to know about savings we need to know about where our tax money goes we need to know all about that God, stuff exactly. let's talk about the following projects a challenge and a joy of it okay mm. and then we'll go and break down into everything else so the following projects a challenge and a joy of it Stand-up sketch show, Vander Vok, Vander Vak, thank you. Death in Paradise and Casualty. Okay, stand-up sketch show, so fun and lighthearted. I feel like it's a dream job when you can laugh through what you're doing, basically. Challenges, as there was a lot of prep work. I'm like, I love miming, like it sounds really weird, but I feel like I could be a professional m- mimer. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Um, and so you you get the um, the files, the audio files, and you have to prep so much to know when your lines come in. So it's uh, it's genuinely really challenging in like such a different way because yeah, it's all about mouthing along to what the comedian's stand up sketch was, and so you're playing like a character within their sketch. So they'll say, and then she said, and you have to know exactly how that goes. So like I was learning. I was miming in accents and things because I'm definitely a perfectionist. So there was like certain accents where I was like, right, how would that look? Blah, blah. But yeah, super, super fun. Such a fun job. And then the next is Van der Valk. Van der Valk. Van der Valk, yeah. Van der Valk. <laughs> um, I mean, shoots in Amsterdam and uh, which was just a dream last summer. My hometown. Actually, is it? Holland is where I was born. So yeah. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Amsterdam is obviously just like heavenly place. Amazing people. Challenge. Ooh. I think, oh, when you're like guesting on something, mm. sometimes it'd be like, because I'd come from casualty to being a guest. So it was kind of knowing how to fit in because they're already a family. They're, they're already fully formed relationships. And you're kind of like, how can I fit in and not like get in the way, but also be part of it? Mm. And then next is Death in Paradise and then Casualty. Um, She's in Guadeloupe. Oh, did not know that. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> literally shooting in paradise, full on paradise. We got lots of time and we got to, like, we went to waterfalls on like my first, like my second day there or something. Went to like a nature reserve, just like beautiful and just lovely, lovely people. I mean, a challenge wasn't for me personally, but like it rained a lot. So sound was tough. Oh. We had to like move locations and I, I basically shot a music video, like my character was a pop star and we shot music video. <laughs> And um, they had to make it look like it wasn't shot in Guadeloupe. So it was a black box, at, like with obviously lights. It was the most boiling thing. I'm wearing like this leotard with like knee high boots in this black box in Guadeloupe. That was challenging. Yeah. Why have I not seen it when I typed in your name on YouTube? I saw a music video. I didn't see that music video. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was fun. It was very fun. And then casualty. I mean, it was like being part of a family, you know, like loved my character so much. Like she was part of me. I I honestly felt like I knew her. That was just a joy. And then, yeah, the people like I lived with, um, like my flatmate in Wales was 
my character's partner on the show. So we formed a really good relationship and I still have friends from it. So yeah, the people and the kind of feeling of family. And otherwise, yeah, like traveling to Wales was a lot. I would do it every week like there and back I mean I got so lucky I was playing a paramedic so you could like go everywhere but if you're playing like a nurse or a doctor they were very much in the studio so I got super lucky that we got to go to loads of places because I think that would have not been fun for me to be in the studio all the time yeah um, yeah I, I can't say any any all right let's talk about beige which is how we came to be connected <laughs> uh, how did it come to be how was your process on it um and where do you see it going Whoa. Well, it started, I actually have on, on Beige's like little Instagram, I'd put a voice note, which is literally where it all started. And it's just me at like 2am or something. It's the most groggy voice memo, but I'm like, uh, short film, Beige. And it literally just came from, I couldn't sleep. It was sort of, I started writing because I was like, let me write the characters that I never get to play. Yeah, that I have a friend who's her and her partner have a production company and I sort of said could you read it and they were like we like it and it just it happened so quickly because I I was the only actor on screen so it was so easy it's a one shot literally five minutes short and now we are going to be making it into a web series because the the concept of it is like in the first what the short which is now the first ep is about being a mixed race actor and yeah, just the experience of that all the kind of questions you get and and the sort of subtextual feelings you get and each ep is it'll basically be an anthology <clears throat> about different forms of like middleness if I if I may call it that and we decided the industry would just be a great place to set it because there are so many different roles and so many ways that your identity can affect your roles and yeah it should be a lot of fun it's like the idea is to kind of make it a cringe ironic comedy type thing we're, we're hopefully going to be shooting that in like summer and uh -huh. then will release it to the world are you gonna um have it back to back or are you gonna film it like a streaming space basically you're gonna release it all at once or you're gonna film it all at once like how do you plan on doing that i'm thinking we release it all at once is what i'm thinking right now because that's why we haven't released beige like the original beige the short because we kind of want to let them follow on in the last step it's gonna the format's gonna change a bit so it'd be really good if everyone kind of watches it and then the final ep brings it all together Got it. um i'm thinking that's what we'll do how many episodes? Just five. I love it. I thought it was really hilarious because it's a lot of the experiences that we all feel as mixed race people when you get spotlight breakdowns about like, oh, mixed race actors, we really encourage global majority and blah, blah, blah. And then you show up and you're like, oh, uh, yeah. you get it in dance. I feel like much more in dance is very prevalent. Oh, wow. Which you would know as a trained dancer for, you know, highlight being Greece and everything. I mean, I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, when I'm I was 10 saying. up. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I think you should bring Greece into it or the nativity at least. Bring it round, like make a whole circle, please. Yes, that that will then finally give me closure. You know, I think I think you should. I think one of the episodes should have you singing a Christian hymn, uh, which would feature in the new nativity film starring Meryl Streep and so many people. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, I think you should do it. Yeah, and then I can be doing the shimmying from Greece while I'm singing it. Yeah. Three things the industry could do or without, in your opinion. Oh, God, this is meant to be rapid. Um, it doesn't need to be that rapid. We can think about it. We still have time, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can do with... Oh, it sounds like an overly said thing, but like more inclusive casting. And I do feel very passionate about this as a mixed race person because I feel like there's so such a focus on like box ticking and there are yeah. so few South Asian actors I've met on jobs um, because okay. it's like, I'm ticking that box. Like that um, box is ticked. Do you know what I mean? Like, like we've got that covered, you know? And I feel like the world is only going to get more mixed. Like the people are only going to get more mixed and like, let's, I want to celebrate that more and make that more a kind of center point. So that's a, like featured a lot in my writing. The industry could do with, this is all from like an actor's perspective, clearly, could do with longer um, turnover times with self tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree that we've all lost a lot of weekends. Oh, I feel like sometimes we can, we need to remember that we're, although I may have been playing a paramedic saving lives, I was not literally saving lives. And sometimes we need to you remember- get the NHS blue card? That's what you're telling me? <laughs> so many people are like, so have you like saved lives since being on casualty? I'm like, no, but I know how to say some names of drugs. <laughs> are you first aid trained at least? Uh, 
I have been. Olympia. I, I need to update that. That's a good point. Um, you teach kids as well. Have you I have had all the training. I've had all the training, but you have to like update your certificate like every year or every two years or something. Every three years, I think it is now. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and, and yeah, so in that, I feel like we need to kind of play a bit more. Like we're all kids still just trying to play. So let's just like acknowledge that a bit more. Interested to know your approach as an actor and as a writer. How do you approach text and script as an actor versus a writer how do you create the world how do you enter it and then I want to break that down into auditions self-tapes versus whilst you're on the job and how do you dive into things versus safeguard yourself as an experience very cool well um I mean when I write it's a very weird thing and I'm sure a lot of people be like well that's not how we do it I literally always see the first scene. I see like the opening scene. And that's even before I've had the, any concept. I'm just like, oh, that'd be good. Or like, that'd be kind of funny. And like, I see it so in detail. I see like the colors of the the lights, like on just on something I'm writing right now. And then I'm like, oh, I should make a story that starts like that. <laughs> and then it builds from there. But in terms of like, I feel like being an actor has helped me writing dialogue so much because, you know, I can say it out loud. I can be like, would I be comfortable saying that? Would someone talk like that? I feel like, when actors become writers that is a massive plus that we like something big we can bring mm. um your project is like solid dialogue now writing when I get a script as an actor I'm like they haven't written this it's I have to remind myself they haven't written this with the exact idea of how I'm going to say this because sometimes when you get a tape through I feel like you can be like oh I know what they're going for they probably want it to go like this mm. and I've fallen into that trap so many times and it's like no they they have an idea what the scene is, what's meant to happen in the scene. But, you know, there's so much you can do with it. Like you can play about with it. And yeah, writing has definitely taught me that. Like you don't have to be married to an idea. You know, there's so much room to play. And yeah, I've definitely learned from acting to not write loads of stage directions. A single tear falls down her cheek kind of thing. <laughs> I definitely don't do that. But yeah, what, what else? What else did you ask? Um, how do you approach, uh, let's talk about auditions and self-tapes versus when you're on the job as an actor, as a writer. Hmm. So from writing, it would be when you're pitching maybe and you're doing the treatment or you're getting a commission from like, let's say a theater or you're pitching it to that. And then hmm. for acting, how do you approach the script when you're getting it for audition? I reckon I'm kind of more, which might be odd, but like more scattergun when it comes to writing. Like I learn as I go. Whereas with acting, I can be a bit stricter. I'm some, I'm definitely harsher on myself. But with writing, I'm, I kind of just feel it out as I go. I get lo loads of eyes on stuff. Yeah, I just get loads of advice because I, you know, I'm not someone who's done a load of courses and I've like st studied writing. It just, I like to do it. And so far, people like, like some people <laughs> like it, you know? <laughs> some people, a lot of people. So, you know, I'm, I've sort of just been following my, I suppose what they have in common is I'm following my gut and like my intuition. They, they, they come kind of naturally. But yeah, with writing, I sort of improve as I go. And then when it comes to a treatment, I'll look at like a la the last treatment I did and be like, so I don't have to Google again. How, how many times do I have to Google lag line, lag line, line. Wow. dog line versus tag line? <laughs> I'm like, which one's which? Which one's it? So I'm just like, you know what? It's easier if I just open yeah my previous treatments so I know you know how the structure works and stuff like that and that is probably what I find the hardest bit about writing is like the one pager or the treatment like just the selling it is not my favorite thing I can sell anyone else's script but mine I'm like I think it's maybe good you might like it do you want to read it like it's just terrible but I feel like with acting I'm I'm almost more like I'm just more confident with it I focus a lot on um subtext if ever I feel like lost in a scene I'm like what are they actually trying to say what's the real conversation going on here and that helps me a lot because then I have the thought process I have the thoughts behind the lines as opposed to just saying the lines you know yeah. just saying the words I don't know if I've answered your question you have and then the last <laughs> question on both of those uh, mediums is how uh, versus the self-tape and the pitching treatment how do you function on the job where you really want to sink into the world of the role and the story but you also have to safeguard yourself. And this is something you talked about in that podcast where you had to shake off a lot of um, the stuff that you did on casualty because that became second nature to you. That became kind of like a lot of things that influenced you. You end up taking the character home. Sometimes you can't separate. So how do you, um, yeah, do that? Yeah, I mean, something that I feel like you're not prepped for in acting classes or, or, or drama school or whatever 
is like you don't get the space you think you will on set you know like you think oh I'll get in the mindset and all this people are coming over and telling you they've moved your mark they're touching up your makeup they're they're, they're changing your shoes they're that the director wants to give you a note the producer's asking about your schedule for next week you know and so you're kind of like oh because I feel like you you think oh I'll go on set and I'll be in the zone and that's that but that's so rare and when you have those really emotional scenes I just feel it's really important to be like hi everyone I just need a minute okay just like give me a thumbs up for action and then we're good so that's definitely I feel like you have to voice it when you need that space Um, because that was a bit of a just like a learning curve you know Mm -hmm. but yeah in terms of taking the character home it would be really difficult with like a hard day but a lot of the like paramedic handover stuff it wasn't too heavy emotionally but on a super emotional day and I had like a fair amount of really emotional storylines honestly a good cry and then I'm good (laughs) (laughs) like that is it like I've noticed like recently how a good cry honestly makes you feel better. I mean, obviously, biologically, it does so much for you. Yeah. But it's just like shedding that part of the day almost, you know. It's not like I actively go home and I'm like, okay, now I cry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it like, I'd sometimes go to my dressing room, I'd be a bit like shaken and then I'd have a little, a couple of tears and I'd be like, okay. And, you know, you get out of those clothes, you take off your makeup, you cook or you watch one of your, like I watch a lot of trash shows, actually. That, that's a tip. Watch trash so that you can just like switch your brain off and just yeah. watch like colorful moving images basically is what I did every night watch TV basically yeah and like a good bath a good bath always nice. it's like cleaning off washing off the day do you think the same goes for your writing process when you want to write something that you really want to sink your teeth into but you also want to safeguard the experience yeah yeah for sure I mean I tend to write comedy but obviously a good comedy should be a good drama if you take the funny bits out so there's always got to be those real emotions going on but I try not to get too like I get in the world but I don't get so much in the heads yet you know I kind of get everything on paper first I'm engaged with it but I'm sort of emotionally distant from it in a way I'm kind of like this is how it needs to go and Mm. then I can question later but but I love it like I love writing because it is like an escape it's like reading a book you know you're creating all these images yourself and it's like because writing and acting can both be lonely but at least when you're writing you're you're creating a world that you are in you know and often I I mean I can't resist I write roles that I want to play as well so that is like handy because I can literally imagine myself in there as well and yeah also just on what I said about the, the acting like safeguarding I think for me it's so important to feel comfortable with everyone around me and that's how I can be vulnerable and like do my best work Three things you wish somebody would have told you that nobody did and you would like to impart on somebody today about the industry. Oh, I thought it wasn't going to be about the industry because I was going to say body hair is okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it can be my personal life. Let's, we can do that as well. Body hair is okay. That's going to be the title of this episode. Yes. About the industry, it's lonely. Like I said, it can be lonely. You have to believe in yourself, like trust yourself and not, yeah, not doubt yourself because it's painful. I think if you keep knocking at the doors, they will open eventually. Any advice on how to handle the room or set or the audition, um, whether that's like picking a monologue, how to self-tape, how anything, uh, how to get into the character at all that really gets you going? Uh, going in the room, like remember they are, I feel like you don't get it until you feel it, but we all know they're just people. They want you to do well. Like also you being good, is a very big tick in their box like they're so happy when you're doing well and they are rooting for you and don't feel like that room is not for you because you've been invited Mm -hmm. for a reason um self-tapes try and like start with an emotion like don't let it just hang you know like try and start with a movement or something just kind of catch the attention your favorite part of the job i mean i'm okay two things go for Um, it the, like people meeting incredible people and like I said earlier like getting to play like just being a child <laughs> I can expand <laughs> but I don't know how much, that, how much yeah, I was like is there more because like, I did a tape not long ago where I had a headset I borrowed a headset from from someone's work yeah and I was pretending to basically or pretending I was acting as though I was in like the army and it was Sunday oh. morning oh. corner with a headset being in the army and I was like I am a five-year-old like I am just fully a child and it was so great it was so much fun like just being able to play basically 
fascinating um these are going to be quick 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 ones but they're depthful ones so you know take your time but also be quick um <laughs> thoughts, authenticity versus representation which is let's say if there is i asked this from writers directors actors everybody i'm just going to say the question and then maybe you just answer and then we can talk about it later if you want to which is like let's say if either you're writing or you're being approached and it's a Bengali trans activist role and the authenticity of getting a Bengali or a trans person to play that role versus somebody who looks like that. And does the set also need to represent echoes of that? Your the thoughts? latter about the set, for sure. Like, I, I feel like it's it can be a cop out to get representation on screen, but not behind the scenes. You know, you walk on set thinking like, oh, this is gonna, I'm going to feel so at home. And then you're like, I, no one that I'm looking at is like me, which is jarring. I feel like the previous part, it's also dependent on the situation. Like I feel like playing a different, an entirely different race is something like that I'm not the most comfortable with. And I know there's like conversation around sexuality, obviously trans, I feel like I, I would never touch that. That is not mine, that is for someone else. And I think, I, I, honestly, it's so difficult. It's so difficult, but I know where my lines are drawn. You know? I think that's such a fascinating thing because I always ask, as an actor, I want to be able to play not just like, let's say mixed race or South Asian or Turkish roles, but I want to be able to play like, I don't know, average Joe, who's just like a cop out and loves to play dress up. But yeah, well, at the well, same time, if there's somebody that is like queer and comes from this sort of heritage that I relate to, and you're selling me that there's not enough talent or actors out there that can do that. I feel like that's a cop out on your part. You're just you just don't have enough time to be able to malleable the talent. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think everyone has their own things. And I think I, I the only thing that I feel is I want to play my race, but I also don't want to be limited by my race. Not that I want to play someone else's, but. I, yeah, I don't see a reason why I can't be playing. I don't know. I can't think of something off the top of my head. Like <laughs> the, the villain, the villain. Yeah. Like petite woman with like big eyes. I never get to play the villain. I want to play the villain. Why do you fucking write that in the app? The one, one's going to be about the nativity. One's going to be about <laughs> you being a villain. Get these fucking shits in there. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. There's one thing I'm writing right now where the character I'm writing for me is an absolute weirdo. And yeah. I love it. That is like, yeah. So I love it. That's your question, but you have. I feel you have. it's yeah, okay. <laughs> no, you have. I absolutely adore it. Like my ultimate role is Caliban in the Tempest at the RSC. It's not playing the lover boy. So I, I agree with you. Sometimes you just want to be a weirdo. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thoughts on the digital space, it's pros and cons as an artist in the industry. It doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I know it is necessary. I have connected with people through it. And there are beautiful parts of it, like keeping your network going, sharing each other's work, staying in touch with people who you, you know, wouldn't stay in touch with otherwise. But God, on a down day, if I open Instagram, oh, that day's got so much worse. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's about rationing the usage. But it, it, I know it is key. Like I know I, I need to be on there and it does help on a bad day. May I ask a question to further on the thing? Because you <laughs> came from a, um, a lack of better wording, a studious background, like in terms of sociology, and then you went into acting I have had this conversation recently so much and this is just a personal echoing of like maybe an insecurity which is I sometimes feel rather than doing the side jobs there's such a heap and when I say heap of people who are on the social spaces that are like hashtag influencers or content creators that if I could boost up my profiling and get money and sponsorship to build a profile and then possibly get work I'm like why do I need to do side hustles like front of house jobs at spaces or like waitering and things like or reception work when maybe I could just do that and that gets me creatively going also I'm surrounded by like-minded people but then I'm always like whenever I try and do that the the functionality of that something jars with me do you have those conversations that has never been part of your vocabulary yeah I mean that's that's super super interesting like I feel if you're comfortable with it and your gut's telling you that's a good space for you for sure go for it like to anyone who's feeling that and it, like you say it totally makes sense like it can work in tandem I think for me personally I 
am very aware that my, in, like I got Instagram because I'm an actor. I didn't have it before. And I use it to try and like streamline how, how not like how I'm seen, but the fact that I'm an actor, you know, like mm. I don't put loads about my personal life. I don't have like pictures of just me chilling. Oh, I have a video to show you, by the way, about your personal life. Oh dear Lord above, that's going to be horrendous. <laughs> well, I mean, now I'm saying like I never show my personal life, then like you're going to show me me like asleep or something. No, no, no. This video cracks me up. It cracks <laughs> me up. Sounds oh, like you've definitely got some insight into the real me. Um, no, it's it's nothing to do with the real you. That's why it's so hilarious. Okay, okay. But yeah, I, I am aware that casting directors, producers, directors can look me up on Instagram and I want them to see an actor and a writer. I don't want them to see like other stuff, basically. Yeah. So that's where I'm at on that. Interesting to know, I started doing this whenever I uh, direct theatre, which is I asked the actors, what sort of a director would you like in the room? What is it that you want out of? I just had the best like recall for a play an absolute joy like so fulfilling so and basically what I love is a conversation I Mm. like to have a conversation like I like when a director asks me what did you think like what do you think about your character how do you think your character's feeling because then they get the perspective I'm coming from instead of this thing of like oh that's not how I imagined it and that is obviously very valid I want them (laughs) I want to make the director happy I want them to see what they want to see but I think I always feel like it should feel like a collaboration and like a conversation. And yeah, I was just so fulfilled because it was also, there was such acknowledgement of our feelings. Like we did a lot of emotional scenes and they sort of said, if you're comfortable, we can go again. Or after a super emotional one, they were like, I'm not going to ask you to do do that again. This is obviously auditioning. And yeah, it's just about like safe space and trust. Like I want to feel that that director trusts me and knows that I can do whatever and then I'll know I didn't get it, because, not because they don't think I'm good, but just because it didn't fit. You know, I just think yeah. listening is everything because I want to hear what they think as well. And then like merge those ideas. You know, I just I, I, I hate that feeling of like being a puppet almost, you know, like if you already know exactly how you want the line said, I'm not your person. You know, yeah, I think theatre is a massive space for that. TV and film needs to catch on to that because it's all about <laughs> like logistics, 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 logistics sometimes. Yeah. Um, Peaks and valleys is a question I ask everybody What was a peak uh, of your personal professional life What was it, what lesson you learned from it What is a valley of your personal professional life What was it, what lesson you learned from it Professional high was um, Making beige That was because it was all all about the passion It was just so fulfilling And like I learned that I shouldn't hold myself back We creators, like creatives Shouldn't hold ourselves back Because someone will like what you're doing um, And to keep creating basically and professionally a low oh god just last year I I've basically booked a dream role and got cut because of COVID it has taught me so much like it changed my and I, I've taken such good stuff from it because god it put into perspective that work is not everything like there is yeah. so much more out there than work so yeah I def- that's what I learned from it is like you know work comes and goes yeah but I mean personally god so many amazing things and also so many not things. great things so yeah <laughs> it all evens out in the end um the next question is hard to ask but I'm just going to put it in context and then you can just take away from it I always think the pillars of a person who's convicted in their path comes from three pillars which is confidence and grit, whether that's innate or you've picked that up through your surroundings. Second is spirituality. So that can be faith, that can be your connection to the energies around you, whatever it is. And the third is support and what that does to you. So that can be financial, emotional, work-wise. So like, let's say if in a world you didn't have those three pillars, you also didn't get casualty, you wanted to be an actor, but you were still like struggling back to back. You didn't get the NTA, um, you didn't get any of those jobs. Like, would you be the person that you are today? Would you find your path to the person you are today, do you feel? and continue to do the things that you're doing today? Short answer, no. No, long answer, but not that long, maybe in a minute. (laughs) Like I just said about the job I lost last year, I would not be the same person if that hadn't happened. It was a really hard time, but I definitely prefer who I am now, like after what could have happened after that. Support, like without my family and friends and people who just listen, not like... And, and I also have people who will ground me if ever necessary. I always remind them, like, if I ever think I'm all that, 
just tell me I'm not uh, <laughs> or remind me I'm not that losing that job definitely spiritually it was very confusing because I've always felt things happen for a reason and I was like what the hell was this reason but I found it and grit like I always say there's a fire in my belly and if there wasn't a fire in my belly I would have I wouldn't still be an actor basically what words of wisdom would you give to your mirror self today we- uh, weirdness is good weirdness is everything and if people don't get your weirdness then they're not your people And I still need to learn this. Like I'm telling myself this right now. Yeah, you don't need to uh, change to make people like you because, you know, we're all pretty good in our own ways and and the world is better, weirder. There you go. Fabulous. Um, We were about to play games, but I realized that I had missed a question from the industry side stuff. Um, A thing that you talked about again in one of the podcasts was having a relationship with your agent. You check with your agent weekly and kind of send them emails but any um let's say because you're on that side of the hurdle any sort of advice on when writing a letter to an agency or any tools or trick on how to have a better relationship with your agent I think in both cases writing to agents and with your agent be concise because agents are busy agents have so much more than we realize that they do yeah be concise get to the point when you're wanting representation try and send them a reference something give them your core things you know I'm I'm a London based blah de blah like whatever it is be real quick to the point and then when you have an agent or if you have an agent again yeah just remember they have so much on you're not their only client so like don't bug them I don't like check in every week being like have you had anything but I will update my agent as well because I feel like uh, actors often say oh my agent isn't doing this isn't doing that and I'm like but what are we doing I'm emailing you know and I feel like I'll update my agent on that be like got in touch with them they replied bloody blah so yeah it's just like communication but valuing their time as well super child play with right we're gonna have a couple of sections be fast be concise you've got this be concise that's what you said you got this the first section is called if I was if you were a movie, what would the original title of that movie be? First thing that comes into your head, go. I always need a wee and I'm always hungry and I'm always tired. That's a very long title. It would, okay, it would be we. No, no, hungry. it's fine. What would the log line be? Go in five, four, three, two, one. He always needs a wee, is always tired and is always hungry. <laughs> Meet Olivia. <laughs> Who, give me three actors that would star in it. Go. Me, you, Mim. There's other actors that are like close to you as friends that are going to listen to this and be like, you twat, you absolute twat, you could have said us. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, if you were a drink, what drink would you be? Go. Masala chai. If you were a food, what cuisine and dish would you be? Go and um, I'd be, go a sausage pilau, even though I'm vegan. Oh, no, 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 no. You can do a vegan one. I'd be, um, no, I'd you be, said it. Uh, it was the first funny thing purry, I'd be funny purry. I'm so funny purry. Yeah, but um, it was the first thing that came into your head. So, like, bye-bye. If you were a fruit, what would you be? Mango. If you were a dessert, what would you be? Chocolate mousse. Clothing item. Can I do earrings? Yeah, sure. Jewelry, accessories. If you were a flower or plant, which one would you be and what sort would you be? I would be a plant and I'd be a money plant. Oh, my money plant's dying that is sad times do you spray it no i water it do you need to spray it spritz it it, yeah okay i'll do that thank you she's a thirsty gal she is she's dying as well i just need her to stay alive um have you ever is the next section have you ever hooked up with a fellow artist or admirer sit right that was a thing wasn't it (laughs) so that's a a yes because i don't really Uh, i don't even want to think about it i don't know it's okay it's all right we've all done it have you ever flirted to get ahead no wow what is oh i would feel so shame i would feel so much shame why do people not oh god have you not i'm not good at flirting i would end up offending them probably i don't know you can just be like you look like a piece of shit and yeah i'd be like do you want to give me a job Have you ever joined the Mile High Club or done something intimate in public? Sip. So that's again a yes, which is fine. Have you ever peed while swimming? Oh, I'm sure I have. Have you forgotten the words and made it up on the spot? Yeah. Eaten within a couple of seconds of something dropping on the floor or in the bin? Yeah. Okay. What would you rather, rich or fame? Rich, I guess. Cookies or cake? Cookies. Uh, Critical acclaim or win lots of awards? I don't, these ones I don't care like can I just have a happy life you gotta pick one of the two <laughs> what is no it Christmas Game or lots of awards Christmas awards Christmas. Netflix or Prime 
Netflix. Fairy tale, mythological tales, or real life story? Well, I wanted to say mythical because that's not in my area. So yeah, let's do it. World peace or equality? World peace, because hopefully that means equality. Dogs or cats? I mean, I love all animals, but I got cats. So, yeah. All right. Next section is called Can You Improv Though? Where I'm going to give you three things. So the first is I'm going to play a couple of your clips and I'm going to pause and then I'm going to see if you know the next line. All right, let's switch lines. Oh. With an unknown weapon, boggy scalp hematoma. She vomited and her GCS is dropping to 12. Her GCS is dropping to 12. We've given her five milligrams of yeah, paracetamolness and we're going to take her in. Sure. All right, let's see. She's been pushed onto some wood with a nine-inch nail sticking out. It looks really close to the femoral artery. That was very interesting. All right, this is That's the really inaccurate. Just oh wait. my gosh, you've done such a deep dive. This is so impressive. Thank you. It's oh, no. promotion day. I've actually bought you, bought you a gift. This is for you. You got me a gift. That's really lovely. Thank you I so know. much. I know. It's in here. It's in there. Is it? Is it? Oh. Is it? Is it open? Is it is it under is it under the and then she throws the bag over my head. I think that's genius. All right. The next section, I'm gonna give you three words and you have to improv a 30 second monologue. All right. Write these words down somewhere if you need to. You're going to use your writing skills, okay? Uh, or what you can do is pitch me a treatment for a film. What would you rather do? Pitch me a treatment? Yeah. 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 Okay. What's 30 seconds, all right? Your three words are wind, cardamom, and June bug. Okay. Ready? So In four, three, two, one, go. So our lead um, character is called June bug. And they um, are sipping on cardamom tea, but then they actually there's a gust of wind, and they actually get sucked into the cardamom tea, and they are experiencing this like jungle, but it's like cartoon form jungle, and they're suddenly cartoon, and then they have to find the cardamom to get out of the cardamom tea. Nice, it nice. Do I think that deserves? 150 grand of my money for you. Yeah, I think you do. Yeah. I'll bring in my producing partners to for a recall, possibly. Great. Yeah. Fab. Thanks. Thank you, yeah. Thank you so much for that. And thank the you. last one is I'm going to give you a monologue to read. Okay. You have to read it in a Welsh accent. Okay. But your white girl wasted and you're on the phone to your three year old child who's just shouting down. So you're Welsh, your white girl wasted, and you're talking on the phone with your three-year-old child who's just shouting at you. Okay. okay. Disclaimer, <laughs> I can't do a Welsh accent and it always sounds vaguely Indian. It's going to be a mess. That's Apologies okay. to every, everyone listening. That's okay. Three, two, take a deep breath. One second. The space, you've got the space, you've got the space. And go. Wales. It's going to be Indian. All of the... Rumors Welsh, Welsh, Welsh. Wales. All the rumors are true. Just go with it. Just make a yeah. choice and go with it. But if... you heard that's true, yeah. I fuck him and you, yeah. Renders. <laughs> Had to cut some. I, I honestly cannot not sound Indian doing this or just. Be... Bitch, I don't give two Wales, Wales, two shits. All the rumors are true. Yeah. Um, I just um, want to say to everyone listening, I'm so sorry. Um, I oh hate my myself gosh. too, and we all feel sick, so it's okay. Your Welsh sounded like a Russian and Asian accent combined. Yeah, I agree. Are you great at accents? We'll find out. Please go and subscribe to Olivia's Instagram page and um, please DM them to go and put that in beige. Yeah, I'm uh, actually becoming an accent coach. So all inquiries welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. And that was Lizzo's All the Rumors Are True. Yeah. I think Lizzo may, may have done it better. As a Welsh singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the, give yourself a round of applause first.
I'm so full of shame. There is no way I am applauding myself anytime soon. I think you should. All right. My last two questions to you before I leave you are, everybody loves a good brand. I love a good brand. You love a good brand. You get 30 seconds to rant about anything and everything that you want. However, the, the consequence of your rant is you have to start or end your rant with bitch don't. Do you feel like you have something to rant about? Oh, mate, I can rant all day. All right. This is your rant in five, four, three, two, go. Bitch, don't get me started on... How do I not do something heavy? Bitch, don't get me started on people who don't like puddings, yeah? Because people who don't like puddings seriously need to check themselves because what is life for if not puddings? I mean, chocolate mousse, pavlova, gulab jamun, you know, like what is life without these? Nothing. Life is nothing without these. And I would never pick a starter over a pudding. So all I'm saying is, bitch, don't. Beautiful, beautiful. Fucking hell. Who are these people? Um, it could have gone dark. So I'm glad. It could have gone dark. Um, your last question is, what is one thing that makes you feel joyful? What is one thing that you do for yourself that makes you feel joyful? And what is one thing you do for others that makes them feel joyful? Baths, I, I wouldn't say they, they make me so happy deep down, but maybe not joyful. Joy, ooh, karaoke. That is the route to joy. And like when you dance, I feel like it honestly releases some kind of like bad energy from my body to like sing and dance in like a fun way, not in like an impressing people way. Oh, it just feels good. And I probably bring joy to people through weird, weird dancing. I like to do weird dances um, and cooking. Also, I like to fill bellies. Nice, 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 nice. Um, what's your karaoke song? Oh, what isn't? Um, I recently did, um, what is it? Nicki Minaj, Super super Freaky Girl. I But my standard is like Bon Jovi, uh, uh -oh. you know, like the, the, the ones that hurt your throat and, you know, that don't sound good. And that's my shit. Well, everyone, that brings us to an end, and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guest for their time. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love, because isn't that what we want at the end of the day, some love? Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. Thank you again, and as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. Now must go, which means now I must go. I own that. That is copyrighted and I will sue. <laughs> Joking. Have a great one and stay curious till next time.